Hi and welcome to the GMC Podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. As we head into the season of Advent, we're going to investigate the Nativity story from both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke each week, through to our watch night service on Christmas Eve and then Christmas morning and then on to New Year's Day worship where we will conclude with the story of the Magi or Wise Men. Christmas is, of course, such a sparkly time, full of excitement, yet also a time where there's so much pressure on families, our buying, our finances, etc. Yet, at heart, this is a season where we can all receive the biggest gift ever. For God can never be outgiven, as he gave his son for all who would receive him. So listen this Advent and hear a little about the beginning of that story of Jesus, God with us. So thanks for joining us on this podcast in which we hope to encourage you to respond to God's word and receive the love of Jesus. Now before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. Isn't it good to meet together in the house of God? Isn't it great? I've missed everybody. I've only been away a couple of weeks, but I've missed everybody. It's good to be here together. Let's come before God and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the angels sang out, holy, 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 and glory to God in the highest. There was such rejoicing at the coming of your son in that stable in Bethlehem. And so as we, your people, gather here today, more than 2,000 years later, we cry out with the angels, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. We rejoice as we continue our journey towards that stable to find the Christ child, the one who came as savior of the world. And we put aside all distractions, all the concerns and the busyness and the worries because we rejoice in this truth. Christ is born. And everything changes because of that. Christ is born. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our Lord. He is the Prince of Peace. He is a wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He is all of these things and more. So we rejoice with the angels this morning and we sing our songs just as Zechariah sung his song and Mary sang her song. What else can we do but rejoice in this news? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We thank you, Father, that as a family all over the world, it's not just us here in Gillespie, all over the world people are gathering on this fourth Sunday of Advent. They're lighting their four candles. They're praising your name. They're hearing the Christmas story, maybe for the first time. But we're part of a global family that is rejoicing this day. The census may say we're no longer a Christian country, but as long as your people can meet together to say glory, 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 Lord God Almighty, forgive us if we lose the joy and the wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. Forgive us if 
all the worries of the world overtake our mind at this time. There are people who are worried about heating and having enough food. But we look to you in all of this, our provider, our enabler, our saviour. You've given us good gifts. We can share amongst ourselves. We can share further afield. We can give towards open doors. There's so much we can do, Lord, because you are a good, good father. So we praise you this morning and we ask that you would hear us as together we say the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Following that time of prayer, I hope your heart has been stilled and prepared for God's word to reach you where you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed, maybe help you in your questioning of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord or go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through the contact us on our website page, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Now, over to our preacher. The reading uh, today, you may have heard in Maggie's prayer there, um, is from Zechariah. Zechariah being the husband of Elizabeth, uh, cousin, relative of Mary. Uh, and we're reading or hearing from Luke 1, 67 to 79. So hear the word of God. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Amen. We thank God for the reading of his holy word. 
So last week we were busy. We had a blessing of two children here, and I'd asked uh, Ashley to speak and Lee to preach, uh, and he did a short uh, passage or short um, talk on the words spoken by Mary after uh, Elizabeth, to, with whom she was visiting, spoke a blessing over her. Mary went, and Elizabeth spoke a blessing, and then there's that wonderful expression of Mary's adoration, her gratitude for God. It's known as the Magnificat, Mary's Magnificat, and that is from the opening sentence, my soul magnifies the Lord. And this morning we have um, a similar song, Zachariah's song. It's known as the Benedictus. Uh, It's the Latin from the opening phrase, praise be to the Lord. Mary's song spoke in general terms, but here Zechariah speaks in a specific way about the career paths, if you like, of a couple of people. Two children that God has brought together in his plan. The child John, um, this is the one who has just been born. He's now only eight days old, being presented uh, for circumcision and naming. And of course, the angel Gabriel has already spoken to Zechariah to say the child's name would be John some nine months before, before he was conceived. And I think we know what happened there. Zechariah doubted this could happen. They were old, old age, doubted it was possible. And that doubt had led to a long silence. He'd been unable to speak throughout the whole pregnancy, throughout the nine months And so here they are, the customary eight days after the birth to present the child, to name the child. And the naming convention would be expected, the child's name would be Zechariah after his father. And because John can't speak, Elizabeth says the child's name will John. And the elders and the people around are nonplussed. They surely think, no, that's got to be wrong. uh, Zechariah should speak up and say, no. Um, But of course he's mute, he can't speak. His lips are sealed. So he asks for a writing tablet, he writes on it, the child's name is John. The child will be named John. And at that point, his lips are loosened, his tongue untied, and he is able to speak. And that's where we've joined that narrative this morning. So what's the first thing he says after nine months of not being able to speak? What would your first words be? After a long period of not being able to speak, only really being able to listen, what would you say? I mean, he was, he was mute, he was unable to speak. Doesn't say anything about his hearing. So I guess he would be able to hear what's going on around him. Maybe Elizabeth has been bending his ear for the whole nine months. Maybe she's sick of his no, no replies. How would it be in your household if you didn't speak for nine months? I wonder, how has he been communicating? Was there sign language back then? He probably didn't know it, but I'm sure he'd be able to sign for some food or whatever he needed, or maybe he was already writing down. Maybe he had a whole pile of tablets on which to write to communicate. But whatever happened in those nine months, we don't know. But we know here his mouth is opened, his breath comes out, his tongue forms the words. We don't think about speaking often. Our tongue's doing weird, amazing things in our mouth to form words as our breath comes out. 
And the first thing Zechariah does is praise God. The one who's made him quiet for nine months, he praises. He gives praise. Can you imagine if you'd been silenced for nine months? What would that look like in your situation? You hear conversations going on between family members or work colleagues and you want to interject, you want to have your say, but you can't. You kind of get ignored and left on the sidelines. What would you want to do? Or if there was some really good news, you wouldn't have been able to shout with joy as your team skills the winning goal. Or you wouldn't be able to groan in anguish as that penalty gets skied right over the crossbar. Not mentioning any names. That frustration of a missed penalty. You're just quiet. So what do you do with your nine months? Well, I suggest you wait. That's the theme of this morning, waiting. This week earlier, uh, much earlier in the week, I can't remember what day, but I emailed the folk involved in our church in corporate prayer. We have uh, here at GMC, we have uh, Monday morning at 7 o'clock for early risers, uh, a time of prayer to start the work week. For many of us, we believe our week starts on a Sunday, but the, the work week starts on a Monday and we have prayer from 7 till 8 o'clock. And then on a Thursday evening, we've got a prayer group meets in the upper room and we bring um, quite often the things of the world and our people, but a lot of thanks to God is brought on prayer on a Thursday. But I sent an email about, uh, as Advent's progressed, I've kind of felt that it's time to take a break. I looked at when... Uh, bank holidays and stuff were falling and I said it's time to take a break and reassess the corporate prayer life of GMC to understand what God is calling us to in 2023 and what does that look like so it means stopping it means being quiet it means listening to God it means waiting been here over five years now and if you know anything prayer is close to my heart it's close to Emma's And I know in my own life I desire to spend time with God, but in the busyness of life, I don't always find that quiet time. And I sometimes wonder when we do gather as prayer, we are earnestly seeking God, but sometimes is it babbling? So after sending my email this week, I did wonder, am I stepping on people's toes? Do they want to gather for prayer, asking them to take a break? But then Monday morning, when we gathered for prayer, uh, we use a a Celtic prayer book, and it's got every day of the year in it, and uh, St. Aidan and St. Finian's readings, we're using the St. Aidan ones, and it gives you three Bible passages, a Psalm, an Old Testament, and a New Testament, and we basically read it and spend 15, 20 minutes praying on whatever those words put on our hearts. The first reading on Monday was Psalm 38, verse 8. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. And you might think, oh, that's all we had to work with. What, what, what does that mean? We get, we've got our Bibles open, so we see the context around it. Psalm 38 is a cry of lament and anguish to the Lord from David. Uh, he's crying out for healing in sickness and attack upon him. And it spoke... This spoke to me on Monday about my time off with pain and with COVID that I had. And, do you know, sometimes when 
Maybe you don't, but maybe you do. What it feels like when you sense you're under spiritual attack. And this said to me, wait. Wait in the anguish and wait upon the Lord. But it was the second two readings that really grabbed me. The next one was from Jonah 1, 17 through to verse uh, 1 of chapter 2. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Jonah's story, God had asked him to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to. He went on a ship across the Mediterranean, rough seas. He gets tossed overboard, is trying to escape the call of God. And then he finds safety in this belly of this fish for three days. Not, this isn't a sermon on Jonah, so I'm not going to go into the likelihood of that, but I would say, when we read this, you can take it as allegory, but if you're a Christian, the one thing you believe is Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose after three days, was around for 40 days or so, and ascended to heaven. And he will come again. That is the basis of your Christian faith. If you believe God could do that, I think you can believe this. Our faith compels us to believe. So I'm just going to take it that this happened. So back to Jonah. He's in the belly of fish for three days and three nights. What did he do? He prayed. He prayed in his distress, calling out to God. In his quiet time, he waited, well, as quiet as it could be in the belly of a fish. I'm not sure what that would sound like. But then it also says in the Jonah story, he answered me. He being God. God spoke to him. Because he was praying, he was listening, he was waiting. Jonah fervently prayed, but he also listened. He waited, was quiet. God spoke into it. He delivered him with the fish spewing him up onto dry land at the command of God. That really spoke to me. And the last passage for our Monday morning prayer was from Matthew 6.6. 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I mean, the context of that, Jesus has said not to go and pray like the hypocrites, uh, wanting to be seen pious before others. He was kind of railing against uh, the Pharisees and saying yeah, they, their religion is all about being seen. He's saying, rather seek him in quietness. And he also said when praying, do not keep babbling like the pagans. For your father knows what you need before you ask. If we know anything about God, if we trust God, we know he knows us. He hears our prayers, but he knows them before we ask them. So I wonder, does he just want us to shush a little and listen, to wait, to allow quietness? So I kind of thought God was confirming what I, the email I'd sent on, it must have been Sunday afternoon, uh, about taking a break. But I, I was doubting, because that's surely what we are doing in prayer. We are waiting, we are taking time, we are seeking. Or are we just coming with a list of demands? 
So it has me thinking as a minister, as a pastor, about what I'm praying and trying to discern what God is asking of me to pray. And then I'd also received an email from a dear, dear friend who passed on to me some thoughts they have been having. I'll qualify that. Some thoughts that have been placed. If you believe in prophecy, if you believe in dreams and visions that God gives us, and it, it, it takes some discernment because we can have prayer from uh, the wrong places too. But I received this and I read it, and it was a long email, and it was very detailed, and I've gone over it and over it. This person had pictures, mind pictures, of a mouse scurrying in some leaves, a wee little mouse. It was busy, frantically running around, but in a really small area, not getting anywhere. You know, busy, just being busy for business's sake, not achieving anything. And they'd asked me to pray on it, but they've been praying on it too. And they, that, that it was, is this God's view of the church? Is the church like a mouse? Not Gillespie Church, not Dunfermline Church, it's not a particular church. The ch- Big C, Big C Church, the church, all over the lands. Is God looking at us going, what are you doing? Are you just scurrying about getting nowhere? Are you so small like the mouse in the face of the spiritual darkness all around you? Do you fear being small? Are we feeling small as the world moves against us, against our ways and against the will of God? And along with my friend's vision came a really strong four-letter word, wait. Wait. But the question is, wait on what? And then as I realized as I've been preparing to preach on Zechariah, wait. Be quiet and wait. Listen and wait. Wait for God. Just be Zechariah. He had to wait. He was quiet. All he could do was listen in the quietness of his own mind. And so I believe we find the answer to what Zechariah was doing in the nine months the moment his lips are loosened. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. What's that look like? It's worship. It's what you're doing now. It's what we're doing in here. Modern conventions we hear of worship. Kind of the evangelical churches of the world have turned the word worship into what we do there. And that is worship. Singing praises to God. But so is what just Maggie did. Leading us in prayers. Bringing you God's word. Preaching on it. Chatting before the service, after the service, in God's house. It is all worship. It's a state of mind. It's bringing ourselves to worship God. And it says, after the praising God, he is filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he prophesies. He's been quiet, he's heard God, he praises him, and God brings God's word through him. And it's his son who has been born, John, remember? Mary is at this stage about three months pregnant. She went to visit 
Elizabeth when she was six months pregnant, assuming full term and all that stuff. So Jesus at this point is in Mary's womb, about three months pregnant. And the Benedictus from Zechariah does focus on John a little, but the real focus is on Jesus, the one promised from long ago, the one sent to rescue, to bless those who would turn to him. This song, and it is a song, it's a song of praise, it's almost like a song of praise to the emergency service that is God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so filled with the Spirit, Zechariah proclaims, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Do you notice that? He has come. That's purposeful. That's somebody actively doing something. This is God in action. This is God's long-term mission work. Zechariah does look back. He looks back to the promises of God. He looks back to the all-powerful Yahweh who always keeps his promises. That God would raise up from the house of David a Messiah, a mighty saviour, from the horn of salvation. What's that mean? King David himself used those same words in Psalm 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my healed and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. In the closing song of ascents in Psalm 118, 17 and 18. Here I will make a horn grow for David. And set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. The horn of salvation is the Christ. Zachariah's wish is in this song is to be rescued from his enemies in order that he can serve God. That's his aim. He doesn't want to be bothered by enemies. He wants to serve God in righteousness, holiness, and without fear. He wants to do that all his days. Boy, he's had some thinking time, hasn't he? And that comes from Jesus. Rescue will be through the promised Messiah. And that has always been the promise of God. Through David, all the way back to Abraham. We notice he mentions Abraham. And that takes us right back to Genesis. Chapter 12. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. (coughs) Excuse me. You will be a blessing. That's Abraham. I can really hear... Zachariah's zealousness for God in this song as he's had so long to wait and ponder on the Lord. So a question for you today. When do you get that sort of time to listen to wait? Centuries ago, people would have had time. But ever since the advent of radio, communications, then television, followed by PC, laptop, mobile phones, to the smartphone, to the explosion of social media, we humans have had our time taken from us. Today, we are time poor. 
Can you imagine how much time you might have without any of it? I think I've mentioned before that on a trip to see my mum with uh, my son, uh, on the way back we got discussing uh, social media and he'd come off it, which convinced me to do so. I haven't done it since. Time gathered back. Can you imagine just having time to think to be lost in your thoughts? But what would you think about all day? Maybe you'd think about your family. How much you love them. An argument you've recently had with them. Whatever. Maybe you think about local life, your community. Maybe your workplace and your colleagues. Maybe health. That's a challenge for some of us. Would take plenty of your thought time. But maybe there might be some deeper questions too. Big questions of life. That's why I'm so passionate about Alpha, where I keep banging on about it every week. That's an opportunity for people to come and ask those big life questions, where there is no wrong question other than the one not asked. Questions like, what's wrong with the world? Why is there suffering? That's a big one. Why does it appear bad people appear to prosper and get away with stuff? Those questions. Emma was at a Christmas works do earlier this week in Edinburgh. And her colleagues from her area know that she is married to a minister, but they also know that she has a strong Christian faith herself. And I don't know where it was in the meal, up her end of the table, uh, 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 they started questioning Emma about her faith, wanting to know what made her different. Why she seemed more content, more peace with life, than they were. This isn't something Emma asked them to ask her or planted, but they seemed to see something on the phone, on Teams calls and all this sort of stuff with Emma. They seemed eager to understand, but they also seemed guardedly jealous of this peace that she has. But as the chat went on, she started to be asked those big life questions. She was asked, if a family was going through tragedy, is that because God is allowing it or God is judging them? You know, people who aren't Christian, they want to pin stuff on God. Why is God letting this happen? I'm glad God guided Emma not to answer that question. That would take it right down a rabbit hole. But do you see what I'm getting at? People have big life questions and they see not that Christians don't have tough lives, don't go through all the other stuff that people go through. They do. But if they see a Christian, they see there's something different. But I wonder, do we as Christians have time to think these things through? Do we wait and think them through so that when we are presented with these opportunities, we have an answer? Because our faith in Jesus challenges people. Zachariah had been challenged by God and found wanting. That's what enforced his silence. But when he could then speak, his concern was for his tribe, his people, Israel, to whom God had made a promise. The answer for his concern is found in the God who hears, the God who responds, the God who has come to his people, 
just as he promised centuries before. And it's that same God we can come to today because he promised Jesus and Jesus has come. So Zachariah's poem sings praise of one who will come and one who will announce the coming. John, the prophet preparing the way for the one most high, giving knowledge of salvation through forgiveness of sins. That's what John does. He will baptize people, forgiveness of sin, preparing them for baptism in the name of Jesus, in the spirit of the living God. But it is Jesus who is the way. The rising sun, he mentions, coming from heaven, the one bringing light into the darkness. That brings peace. That's why Emma's colleagues see peace in her. Not because her life is peaceful. Far from it. Trust me, she lives with me. Her life isn't peaceful. Her peace comes not from me, but from the Lord. And I thank God for that. So how do I conclude this passage from Luke? The Benedictus, Zachariah's song. I've thrown a lot out at you. I really believe the message that I'm to deliver to Gillespie is for 2023. You sometimes think I must really think about what I put in uh, the context of series, but I must say, this Advent with being off with my back and COVID and stuff, I just trust in the Lord. And I, it's only come to me this week. I've ended up, so I think it's January the 1st, uh, so two weeks' time, I'm doing the third song, the Nunc Dimittis, which is Simeon's song. Anybody would have thought I'd planned it. I didn't. And I think God is preparing us as a church here in 2023. We are to be like Zachariah, praising and worshipping God. Yes, we need to be doing some of the stuff we're doing. But I think 2023 is a year where, as a church, we need to honour and praise and bring glory to God. The first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism of 1647. A mighty document, folks. I can commend it to you. We don't really do catechesis anymore. But question one is, what is the chief end of man? Please excuse the male pronoun there. It's of its time. What is the chief end of man and woman? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose, to glorify God and enjoy him. Tim Keller, the pastor at Redeemer Church in New York, uh, has kind of co-authored a thing called the New City Catechism, which uh, there's 52 questions. We are starting a series uh, of Sunday evening worship next year. On, it's going to be the... I need Lee here. <laughs> Second and fourth Sundays of the month, I think, if I remember rightly. It's going to start at the end of January. Um, and we're going to use a catechism each time. Uh, but question six from the New City Catechism says, how can we glorify God? If our chief end is to bring glory to God, glorify him, what is glory? How can we glorify God? We glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and obeying his will, commands, and law. So I believe what God is guiding us as a church to do is concentrate on worshipping him, as I say, Glorifying him. And so we need to ask ourselves, 
Is that what we're doing as a church? Here at Gillespie. Is our service in all its shapes and sizes and forms, whatever it is, whether it's having a cup of coffee, picking up the phone to somebody who you're being prompted to, is what you're doing glorifying God? And that's why I believe this week the word wait has been so strong on my heart and others, the person who sent me that email and I thank them for it and the passages from the prayer on Monday. My friend who had this vision and words of God over a three-week period, this isn't something that one, they've been pondering it and meditating on it. And as they were, I think it was probably their daily devotion, they were reading words from Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. They found them in their mind accompanied with these words. And these profoundly affected me when I read them in the email. I'll put them on the screen, I think. Deep within the center of the soul is a chamber of peace where God lives. And where, if we will enter it and quiet all the other sounds, we can hear his gentle whisper. Key words in there. A deep chamber of peace that is God within our soul. And if we uh, enter it and quiet ourselves, wait and quiet, we will hear his gentle whisper. Zachariah was forced into quietness and waiting, and his response was praise, and God gave him knowledge of the future, a future that would have to be waited for. Remember in your Bibles, you read this, and you go through a few more verses, and bang, there's adult John and adult Jesus. Zachariah at this point, six months till Jesus is born, then they've got to wait 30 odd years before Jesus starts his ministry. I'm not sure how long John was the wild man in the desert with crazy hair and eating honey and locusts and doing all that stuff. I'm not sure how long his ministry. Did he start in his mid 20s? No idea. They had to wait and watch these boys grow. But we are blessed to know those boys who grew into the men they were. And John would prefigure that way and give his life because he presented the way of Jesus. And we're blessed to know Jesus. But in knowing him, I'll leave you with this, I do not believe we as church are to be scurrying around in ever-decreasing circles of business. That mouse is important. But instead, we must wait before God. Wait and worship. Worship him in all for all that he has done, is doing, and will do. Yeah, we are small. But we are amazingly created and mightily loved by a massive, huge God. And so it is only right to acknowledge the rightful place of the one who is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Those words from Revelation. That rightful place of that one, who is the Alpha and Omega, is up on the throne before which we should all fall on our knees to wait in his presence. Let's pray. Father God,
We thank you. We thank you for the waiting of Zachariah, for his quietness, for his example to us. Father, we don't ask our uh, lips to be stilled for months and months. Though some around us might wish that. But Father, we do ask you to still our hearts and minds and enable us to find a little space each day to be quiet, to listen and come to you. Not with our petitions for our lives, but in thankfulness and to hear from you. And Father, would we share what we hear to help us grow your kingdom and serve your kingdom, to serve your church, your chosen vessel for your people. Father, be with us this day as we wait upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our Sunday podcast today from GMC in Dunfermline, Scotland. For more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook and YouTube. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page of our website or by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a few quid, then offerings can be made through the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production from GMC, including the pastors and tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Jack Wiggle, and the contributing music is Up to the Moon from Low Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Thank you.